0: the blast from our past network
1: thank you um
2: first of all i want to say how much i appreciate this opportunity to join you and what i'm I... sure that you appreciate being here doctor but you must understand we don't we were taken off a well-deserved leave and sent into neptune space we are now three billion clicks from the nearest outpost the last time you sack attempted a rescue this far past the outer reach well we lost both ships so if you please all right Well, everything I'm about to tell you is considered code black by the NSA. USAC intercepted a radio transmission from a decaying orbit around Neptune. The source of this transmission has been identified as the Event Horizon.
3: Talking Back.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. With me, as always, is Dean. And this week, we're going to be covering the movie Event Horizon. And Dean, this one scared me a lot. So much, in fact, that we needed to have a couple other people with us so that we wouldn't be so scared going through this one. Good call. You messaged me before the show just wanting to cancel altogether because you were so scared. But I said, no, we must go on. We have guests. They will keep us safe. And those guests, I am huge fans of their podcast. Dean, I know you are as well. We have Jeremy and Tony from the Remote Takes podcast here. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Tony, welcome as well, my friend. Thanks for having us. Really excited to be here again. <laughs> yeah. You guys joined us for Saga Volume 1. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Great episode. Um, I'm I'm just a, a really big fan of your guys' podcast. I want to plug your podcast first and foremost here because I... Just whenever that sucker drops on Sunday, I'm just waiting for it. I love it. And <laughs> there's a lot of podcasts out there that kind of cover um, modern content, and I won't listen to them because I want to watch the movie first. And you guys are the only podcast that does that, where I just listen to your podcast and get the movie spoiled for me because I don't care. I'd rather just listen to your episode. So you've spoiled many a movie for me, but I don't care. It doesn't matter. So,
0: what a huge compliment! I yeah, thanks, Tim. Wow. How do I follow that up? (laughs) We're just really good spoilers. We like we we love we love to spoil movies. Tim hates
3: spoilers. I hate hate spoilers too. (laughs) That's how good your podcast is. Yeah, incredible. Teach me. You got to teach me. He won't let me spoil anything. (laughs) No, you're not allowed to, Dean. I know. (laughs) I know.
2: Well, we love your podcast too. Uh, Just. Just so you know, uh just finished listening to your alien uh roundup and oh so good. Love that series of movies and your guys' coverage of it was great. So
1: Yeah, thanks. That was a lot of fun. Thank those you. those uh, wrap up shows are a lot of fun too. Uh, that last one yeah. was that was that was one of my favorite episodes. That's just it was so much fun to record and I think it just kind of got everything we wanted to say out and yeah, it was it was good. So uh yeah, and we did announce that our next franchise walkthrough is gonna be Star Wars. You guys are Star Wars fans, right? Oh, Oh, of course, totally. What do you
0: mean? Are you guys like starting with like episode one and going all the way through?
1: That is correct.
0: Yep. Oh, that's awesome! Wow. Mm -hmm. Are you gonna hit uh,
2: movies that are not numbered as well? Ooh, Rogue One.
1: Not through the walkthrough, but we will hit those. I don't. We might hit them after, or we might just throw them in in between. Um, but we're not going to go like chronologically the time that those ones came out. I mean, gotcha. I really want to talk about Rogue One a lot. So that might make its way into the mix pretty quick.
2: I love that movie. So good. Fan.
1: Yeah. So sounds like, sounds like there could be an opportunity to get you guys on for one of those. Definitely. Oh, man. That'd be great. Be honored. Be so honored. That'd be a lot of fun. So we'll get all that figured out behind the scenes. Um but I think the listeners are bored now. Uh <laughs> but that's fine. we are going to Yeah, come back. We're going to spoil <laughs> Event Horizon for you. Hey, we're doing Event Horizon. Did I say that yet? Yeah, I did, didn't
3: I? You did, too. Okay. Yep.
1: Did I say hello to the listeners yet? Listeners. Hey. No. Thanks for joining. Do you get the feeling that most of them are hiding under their covers listening right now? For sure. This is a this is a scary movie.
3: This is a scary one, yeah. If, if anybody tuned out or turned it off, it's when you said Event Horizon because they were too afraid. That's, uh, thank you, Dean.
0: Thank you. Who isn't afraid of a haunted spaceship?
3: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I know.
2: I it's know a haunted
3: I house in space. Come on.
0: That's cool. Yeah, It's the shining in space, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, like... yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of space.
1: things in space. Yeah.
0: And I don't think it's on there. I don't think it's listed, but you can't disprove that it isn't Halloween on the spaceship at the time that they uh, get
1: there. Wow. What a great point. Very true. What a great point. Jeremy comes out (laughs) swinging, hits a a dinger right off the bat with that. (laughs) Halloween movie. (laughs) Um, I just want to quickly touch on our histories with this movie and also kind of like briefly what we thought of it. Tony, I want to start with you because out of the group, I know that you're the only person who was watching this for the first time. So I'd like to kind of get your fresh take on what you thought. Sure. So
2: I got to give a little history about myself in this movie. When I was a kid and this came out, I would never watch horror movies. I was deathly afraid of everything and and did not enjoy being scared because I was I was essentially scared of everything And so this was one of those movies that my friends in middle school had watched and kept telling me, like, it's the scariest movie ever made. It is so terrifying. And that's kind of stuck with me. I've had plenty of opportunities to watch this movie and have just thought, like, no, (laughs) because (laughs) honestly, a little terrified of, like, what I would see. And so, you know, booted this up on HBO Max the other day and i watched it during the day lights on cuz i was like there's no way i'm watching this right before going to bed i need i need some of that time to clear this out of my head if it messes me up and actually like for me it really wasn't so scary and i think it's cuz i i psyched psyched myself up so much that i kind of um like i was terrified of what was happening but i wasn't like psychologically tortured like hereditary did to me last year um it was facing a lot of fears and i enjoyed the movie and i really liked the premise and kind of the lore behind it and the whole idea and i think it was executed pretty well um i wouldn't say it's my favorite movie uh for sci-fi horror i think you know that's we're we're talking alien uh for that or the thing i think it's really between those two for me but this is this is up there with stuff that I'll rewatch, and you know, uh, it's definitely scary enough. <laughs> it definitely was like I'm glad I still watched it during the day. So, and it's weird seeing Sam Neill like that. Yeah, it yes. is. Like Professor Grant, what are you doing? Yeah, I know. exactly. Like,
0: wasn't he fresh off Jurassic Park?
3: Yeah. That's why I played so well in this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, what about you?
0: So when I saw this movie, um, it was well after it had been out. I don't know. I think it was early aughts, and I was just looking at it one day, and I was like, "Yeah, this looks like a cool sci-fi movie. I'll watch it." And I, I had no idea it was sci-fi horror. So when things started to creep up, um, I was. I was scared. Those jump scares, uh, you know, those traditional, you know, jump scares. Uh, it was scary. It, had, it was an interesting idea. Um, I felt it did feel a little bit Matrixy, and I know that it's not, you know, it came out before the Matrix, um, like the whole, like, inside the style of the ship and everything. But yeah, I got to watch this years later. And uh, so out of all the original context, um, in the early aughts, um, I really liked Sam Weir in it. Um, excuse me. I really liked Sam Neil, who played Dr. Weir. <laughs> uh, very young uh, Lawrence Fishburne in it. Um, all in all, I think it was a solid movie. It was good for the genre, and it was interesting.
1: Yeah, I like what you said about The Matrix, um, kind of... Got similar vibes myself about that. And kind of seeing, you know, Lawrence Fishburne later make it into the Matrix, seeing that the ships, you know, had a little bit of a similar style to them. And then that one scene where uh, Dr. Weir is looking through like the core of the ship and it was all green. Like there was just green control panels everywhere. Mm. That's one of the most memorable scenes in the movie for me was that. And that's all very... Those three things put together, you know, there could have been some influence is happening. It, yeah. Is it written down anywhere where it was influenced? It, I've never read anything? read anything like that, but you'd have to, you'd have to think that there's got to be something there, right? Yeah. With all those connections. But Dean, what about you?
3: Um, I didn't know I liked sci-fi horror until I saw Alien in like my twenties until you, Tim, you gave me Alien. Um, I love it though. Like I just love sci-fi horror now. It's my it's my favorite thing. Like uh Love Alien, Love the Thing. Those are my top two movies. Like, like Tony said. Like those are the two best so good. ones. Like I just I just love that genre. So then after I realized that I, I really loved that, you know, that genre, I I checked out this movie, so in like maybe my mid-20s, and I think I watched it, I would say once or twice. Um is what I would have said going into this viewing. But when I turned it on, I was like, I know everything about this movie. I know every beat to this movie. I remember every scene. I almost remember every line. I must have watched this thing like every day for two weeks or something when I first watched it. So I, I, it felt really good. Like it felt kind of like comforting to watch it, to throw it on. Cause that was the same Hmm. thing. I was throwing it on and be like, all right, let's get scared here. Let's do it. And I kind of felt at home right away. I, I liked it. I, uh, I really enjoyed a lot of the, a lot of the concepts in this film and, uh, yeah, I just had a great time.
1: Yeah, nice. Uh, sounds like I was the only one who actually saw it in the theater. Uh, I think oh, I wow. saw it opening night. Like me and my buddy were just, we were all set for this movie. Uh, I, I was a big sci-fi fan at the time. Didn't really know that this was going to be so much horror. Uh, the, the previews were kind of, I remember them being very elusive with what they were showing, where you didn't really understand what this movie was going to be, and you just kind of had to go and experience it. And we were both just terrified. I remember like five minutes in, I looked at him and we were just like, do you want to hug for a while? Like while we're watching this, cause this is kind of scary. Uh, we, we needed some, some support from each other there, but yeah, I, I remember really being blown away with it at the time. Um, I've seen it uh, a lot. I mean, I'd have to say at least 15 times I, I've, you know, it was on repeat for a while on the VHS and, um, rewatching it now after not having seen it for a while. Yeah, I'm kind of it's kind of like a toss up for me now of what I actually think of it. Uh, It's kind of weird. Like, I feel like the ideas behind it are really, really cool. And there's some really good things happening. But I, I found when I was watching it, I kind of just wanted it to be over. But then when it was over, I kind of just wanted to turn it wanted to turn it on again and watch it again. Like there was something about it that was like pulling me back in. Um, So I don't know. I really like that they took a big swing with this movie. Like this was something that hadn't really been done before. Like, yeah, you've got got Hellraiser, which this definitely pulled some influence from, but it wasn't as hardcore sci-fi. And I'm not sure on the dates, but I know like Hellraiser three or four, they actually go to space. And I'm pretty sure that came out quite, a while after this one. So I think Hellraiser was actually pulling from this this movie and trying to like make something out of it. But yeah, um, I don't think it worked out quite as well as it could have um, as a whole, but there were just a lot of great things going on in this movie, so.
0: Do you think it had enough uh, like, uh, like gore and violence in it? It did, yeah, for me it did, yeah. See, I heard they cut out like 10 minutes of it.
3: Like, yeah, I heard oh. that, and that that footage is like lost. It's like gone. Yeah, that's crazy. I
1: I what I heard was uh, director uh, Paul W S Anderson. He thought that he cut out ten minutes too much, but he actually oh. he actually cut out thirty five minutes of content. Ooh. Oh wow. wow! So that's what he, that's what he wanted his cut to be. That cut obviously got the NC seventeen rating, so he had to dumb it down. And, mm. and this movie was on like a real, real bad time crunch from the very start. Everything got slowed down. Everything was backed up. So by the time I got to editing for him, he didn't even get to do what he wanted to do. And he was not happy at all with the final cut. He, he thought it was missing, you know, like I said, at least 10 minutes, but he wanted much more in there. So, um, man, that's what I like about you guys. You guys know all this stuff. <laughs> I always learn something. Yeah. Thanks. I didn't know this stuff until four days ago, if that makes you feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, you you actually
0: prep for these recordings? Jeez.
1: (laughs) I do a little bit of homework before each episode. so (laughs) That's one of the things we like to do. I like to pride our podcast on being fun and informative.
0: Sure. Well, it definitely is.
1: So I was going to touch on this a little bit later down the line, but since we've got to it already, uh, Jeremy, I am curious... Like, what, what do you think this movie would have been like with an additional 35 minutes of content?
0: Well, from what I read, that content is, like, really gory and violent. Yeah. Um, so, um, wow. I can't imagine the gore and violence adding to the overall story, but I can imagine it being more scary and uh, gruesome.
1: I'm with you. I don't need 35 minutes of additional gore. I would love to get 35 minutes of additional sci-fi and kind of exploration into what's going on on this ship, but I don't need any more gore than what we got. Uh, What do you think, Tony?
2: No, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I love the thing and that is like body horror, but it like does it right to where I don't feel like I'm watching, like there's a line for me where it's like gore porn, right? Like yeah. where it's just like mm-hmm. too much and gratuitous and, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, censor someone's creativity, but the sort of, that sort of starts to worry me, you know, when it, it just becomes so gross. Um, so I, I'm good with the gore levels where it was at. I think it hit the perfect spot. Um, I don't think I'd want to see the NC-17 <laughs> version of this. I I would want to see, like, cut the gore part of it and put that 10 minutes back in that hopefully isn't just, like, extended, you know, scenes into hell. Um, you know, what, what I think a lot of that cut was, or at least from what I saw. But, yeah, I, I'm i good on gore. I, I like, um you know, I like... A certain amount, and I don't know how to quantify that, but I can tell you directors that go over are Eli Roth and others. <laughs> you know? So
1: Yeah. So this movie was released in nineteen ninety-seven with a budget of sixty million dollars, and it grosses only forty-two million. So yeah, not yeah, not, not great. Not great. Now the movie does go on to basically achieve cult status, um, but it was not well received from the start, but it did do extremely well on home video. So because of that, they actually wanted to release a director's cut of the movie, which is where this additional footage would have come into play, but the footage was lost. So they, were, mm-hmm. they weren't able to do it. Uh, as, as mentioned, it was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and he has directed *Mortal Kombat* from 95. He directed Soldier with Kurt Russell. He did Alien vs. Predator, which we've covered. And he basically did the entire Resident Evil franchise. So he's made some, like, he's made a lot of money with his movies, but this one was not one of them.
3: Yeah, he's made a lot of money and he's made a lot of movies that, um, you know, most people don't like. And... But still, a lot of people do like, you know, a lot of there's they the fans of the movie. There's big fans of them. There's big fans of Mortal Kombat. There's big fans of the Resident Evil movies. But I wouldn't say those are generally
1: loved movies. Yeah, I I would agree. I think they're, they're movies that get people in the seats.
3: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, I love his movies. I love AVP. Nobody loves AVP. I love that movie. I love I, that movie. I, I, <laughs> I love just it. Just looking at just looking at uh Tony's face down here. He looks a little <laughs> shocked. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> he looks a little shocked that I said that I love it. I think it's I think it's great. Um I mean it's at the bottom of my uh, my rankings of those those movies, but uh yeah. I still enjoy it. I enjoy his movies. They're popcorn movies. Um yeah, I I will always just check out a Paul W.S. Anderson movie.
0: You know, I noticed um as a general statement that usually when you look at a site like Rotten Tomatoes, and you see such a large difference between critics and audience, you can kind of tell something is up with the movie. And either way, if the critics love it and the audience doesn't love it, or if the audience loves it and the critics don't like it, um, you'll notice that there's something like either it has a cult following, or it's like like a like a pompous artsy film, you know? And I think that's a, a good way if you're looking at a movie to kind of, you know, judge what type of movie or to really pay attention because there's something different with that movie. And yeah. the event horizon is, uh, got panned got a 29% on critics and like a 60% on audience. And I think that tilts towards a cult cult uh, movie.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Uh, the music in this one was done by a Michael Kamen and he has done movies such as the dead zone life force Highlander, he did the Die Hard movies, he did the Lethal Weapon movies, and he did an old terrifying favorite of mine, I don't know if it's a favorite, but it was Venom. And this is the Venom from the 70s, and it was about a terrifying story of this poisonous snake locked in a house with a family and some criminals who had come in and locked them locked themselves in the house. This movie just this is my most terrifying movie experience ever. The movie Venom. I was just a little kid, shouldn't have been watching this movie in a a terrifying environment at the time. And it was just, it was the worst. We should actually cover that movie, Dean.
3: That movie sounds good, Tim. (laughs) Like a snake (laughs) in a house with a bunch of people. It sounds great. Is it
2: from the (laughs) snake's perspective? (laughs) (laughs) POV
1: snake movie? You're crawling through the vents with the snake at some of the points. Yeah. And I think the, the most terrifying thing that I learned about the movie after the fact. Was that the snake was a real black mamba that they used in all the scenes, which just is frightening. Um, That's scary, Tim. It is. It's actually terrifying, Dean. I'll I'll do you one further.
3: (laughs) It's very spooky.
1: (laughs) Now, this Michael Kamen on the movie, he collaborated with the band Orbital for the soundtrack. Now, uh, Orbital, very like electronic, you know, basically an electronic band. So, I had forgotten the score, and then when I had recently read it was Orbital, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I'm going to kind of tune in to hear this soundtrack. I think they only used Orbital in the intro and end credits, and then not through the rest of the movie. And I think it completely did not fit at all. It didn't make any sense Mm -hmm. to me. So while I love Orbital, I I don't think that was a good use of them here.
0: I would agree. Now that you mention that uh, the credits in the beginning, that was awful that does not introduce this movie very well it's literally just like a hole in the background and they're just flashing uh, you know people's names to you know electronic dance music to Orbital right and it was so boring it was not made for today's audience there's no way they would have a movie that would have such a simple uh, uninspiring you know beginning that was I did not like that
2: so counterpoint here is I thought orbital fit f- until it wasn't in the rest of the movie. So like I'm loading this movie up and it's like some, you know, electronic music and I'm like, yeah, mortal Kombat you know, same director. Sure. And yeah. Okay, I, I get right. it. I get it. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm in for a terrifyingly, you know, uh, rock time. Um, and then it was never revisited in, in the film. And it, it was weird. So by the time it came back at the end, I was like, yeah, I'm good.
3: I bet it's all through the 35-minute cutout hell scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's all where it is. I'll well, tell you what. That's where it would
1: fit. That's where I think you could have used that type of music. Um, yeah. But that that music actually really reminds me of some of the music you get in The Matrix, which is interesting because I think that's another connection here to Absolutely. The Matrix. It reminded yes, me of like totally, The Matrix yeah. or, what, or what you would hear in Blade, like that electronic kind of intro. but. I don't know. It's like, it was just weird because they're like pumping you up for this, like, like kind of slow, terrifying sci-fi horror. And then when the movie's done, they're like pumping you up again. I guess it could come two completely wrong times to try to pump someone up. I I don't know. Yeah. The contrast is not. Yeah.
3: Although Tim, you wanted to watch it again once it ended. So maybe you were getting pumped. You were like, (laughs) yeah, let's go back to the beginning.
1: Maybe, maybe that's why I throw it in in the first place. And then when it's over, I want to throw it in again. And maybe it's all orbital. Exactly. Yeah. That that works. That tracks Dean. Good call. Now, cinematography was done by Adrian Biddle and uh, this person did Aliens and the Princess Bride. So Mm. some chops, some chops there. Yeah. Okay. We'll do a little bit of background here. So after the success of Mortal Kombat, um, Paul Anderson obviously had no shortage of scripts thrown his way. But he turned all of the PG-13 scripts down, including the original X-Men movie, because he instead wanted to do a rated R horror film. And both Anderson and writer Philip Eisner had the classic haunted house genre in mind when they got into this movie. And uh, that is as short as it's going to (laughs) be. for background. Cool. The other point cool. I had was the additional uh 35 minutes of footage, but we we touched on that, so
3: Well, I think it is interesting that he wanted to make the jump to a rated R horror movie, so he turned down all the um PG-13 scripts because this is like he just goes for it, right? He's just going yeah. for the R here. He really wants to get it all out there. Um yeah, and I think uh I was watching an interview with him and he was saying he was really into The Shining at that time. So that totally makes sense that the, he's just like, yeah, shining in space.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Haunted House, which is just fun. And Haunted House, which, yeah. It's yeah. always a lot of fun. So I'm just going to give like a short story breakdown here. And then after that, we can kind of just free flow into everything. But if you have something you want to talk about um, as I'm going through this, feel free to to interrupt. The opening text that we get from this movie basically establishes the situation we're in and i'll I'll read it here it says 2015 first permanent colony established on the moon 2032 commercial mining begins on mars 2040 deep space research vessel event horizon launched to explore boundaries of solar system she disappears without a trace beyond the eighth planet neptune in the worst space disaster in history 2047 now and then the movie starts so i thought that was a great intro um it's just very simple it's to the point and it gives me enough background to understand where we're at but it didn't take up any time at all it took up like 30 seconds and i've got all this backstory and I, I much prefer this type of startup of a movie rather than actually trying to show me any of that, that previous stuff. I'd rather just read about it and kind of get into the now. Um, what are some of your guys' thoughts? Maybe, Dean, I'll start with you.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's I, – I loved it. I loved this setup. And I really like knowing that there's this event horizon that disappeared. Like a lot of movies wouldn't tell you that until – Like the person's explaining it to you till they're like, oh, there was this ship and it disappeared. And I've had no time to sort of build up what I think about that. But you they give it to me like right at the beginning. So I know that this thing's disappeared. This is the biggest, you know, the the biggest uh, tragedy that's happened. And then when it's brought up in in that meeting, and it's like, the event horizon is back. Then I'm like, I'm pumped. I'm like, great. I'm 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 so excited for the movie to go on from that point. Where if they didn't tell me, I don't know, I'd just be like, okay, that sounds cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree. This is something that could be weighed down through over exposition. You know, just talking and it. And it being written in such a way that it's not convincing or doesn't sound real, like they're having a real conversation, and it's just for the audience to like absorb content. And I'd rather get it how it was delivered than through crappy writing and exposition. So I think this was a great way to handle it, brought me in, having me know what I need to know so that I can follow the scenes and, yeah. and get to the haunted house
0: in space. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I enjoyed that it was really efficient, uh, but my first thoughts were, "Boy, are we behind? 2015? <laughs> <2015, laughs> yeah. We're supposed to have." A, well, you know... We've only
3: missed one goal. We can still hit the others. Uh, right, mining is going to start in Mars. We still have the biggest soon. tragedy in 2040. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. True, Sorry. true, <laughs> true. No, it's
0: it's a very simple way. Uh, it's efficient. Um, I would prefer that way uh, to some type of. Um, Really elongated, uh, like montage. And I'll give you an example. Um, if anybody, did anybody see Army of the Dead 2021 this year? No, didn't um, see it. So Army of the Dead. T- yeah, I know Tony saw it. Tony.
1: You guys did nap on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, our episode 21. Uh, the beginning of that movie is like 12 minutes of mm. basically montage. I didn't have and... to see
1: because I listened to your podcast first, actually. <laughs>
0: well, did we spoil it for you? I hope we did. <laughs> In a good way, though.
1: Yeah that's good you weren't yeah i got a warning warning from that episode you (laughs) dropped a red beacon like do not approach any further to this movie
0: yeah because there's some twists in there but uh no uh in the beginning of this movie there are characters in this montage introduced and they die like in this 12 minute uh beginning of this movie and so that that yeah so that's a little too long so this this did it a lot better i think
1: yeah, I I'm, I'm, I like it. I'm cool with it. Like I think any movie that starts this way, it's fine. It's going to I think it's going to work really well.
0: They could have put some or they could have put some orbital or, uh, orbital music on <laughs> <behind laughs> it though, or something. Actually, you could oh, have. Oh yeah. For you easily sure, could have yeah. just
1: extended that soundtrack, yeah. Yeah. Now, the crew of a ship named the Lewis and Clark take on a new passenger, a Dr. Weir. And they make their way to deep space where they've located a signal from the event horizon. And I like that the the crew of the ship know about the event horizon. Like they don't find out until they're out there what their mission is. And then when Dr. Weir says, oh, we have a signal from the event horizon, they're all like, oh, bullshit. Oh, what are you talking about? You brought us all the way out here for that. So I liked that. Even in the first five minutes, they kind of establish pretty good lore to this ship. Like everybody there knows about it, and there's something weird about it. Uh, I I appreciated that as well.
3: Yeah, and like a good ghost story, they have to like not believe it first, right? It's like that. It, it's that's just a story they know, and so like, how could it show up seven years later? You know, it's like, oh, you, there's no way that that's what we were brought out here for. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and they tell us it uh, it was a, the event horizon was a ship that was actually built for faster than light travel by creating a singularity or folding space. Now, I will always remember this visual explanation as the best explanation of time travel I've ever seen in my life. They just simplified it so much. Just the idea of folding space, where I'm sure everybody listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. They actually copied it in Interstellar. They did the same thing, but it was from this movie. They fold a piece of paper and they show you going a pen traveling through the piece of paper and then like unfolding it again and showing you how much distance the two holes, how much distance is separating them, and by folding. Now you're you're
0: missing. You're missing a key factor here. Um, It was a uh, a monthly calendar. Of oh, a nude good. woman, a 2047 <laughs> calendar, by the way,
1: just so you know.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. Cool. It's funny. The 90s are going to be back in style. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. The, yes. the
1: decades always come full circle. So <laughs> the 90s will be back.
3: Weir also starts it with a trick question where he's just like, what's the shortest distance between two points? And someone's just like, oh, straight line. And I'm like, that guy's right. That guy's smart. And he's like, nope, it's zero. It's nothing. It's like, that's a trick question. Come on. It's, it is. It is.
1: It is. But he had a good, he had a good reason yeah, to do it. And then he did the paper
3: he, folding thing, and we're like, oh, yeah, that this is guy's pretty good. right.
1: Yeah. This guy's right. Now
0: that you mention it, it might have been one of the first times that I saw uh, that uh, put that way, that concept yeah. put that way.
1: I just thought it was really smart. It was really simple, really smart. You don't have to wrap your brain around anything. It just makes sense, you know? So- I feel like right off the bat and kind of into the first, you know, 20 minutes, they're doing a really good job of building the suspense in the movie. Like the first part really feels like a mystery. Like they're, they're creating this mystery. Um, and they're just giving you enough to want more. And they eventually find and get to this event horizon. They go onto the event horizon and they find dead bodies and blood everywhere. The crew basically gets trapped on the event horizon, which has essentially gone to hell and back and has become sentient in the process. And then the ship basically starts screwing with them. It's causing terrifying hallucinations for them and slowly kills them off one by one. And that is essentially the story of the movie. Uh, So I, I, open it up here just for, you know, more of a general discussion. Um, and maybe I'll just start it off by saying, I, I like that they did kind of three things here. They did the suspense, which I love. They did the gore, which is very useful in places and they loved their jump scares. So this really was a very scary movie for those three reasons But I felt like maybe they didn't lean into one of them hard enough. Maybe it should have been one as the majority and the other two as supporting pieces rather than it feels like they kind of just cut all three of those into separate pieces. And the movie is kind of equal parts all of that.
2: Yeah, that's fair. And that might be due to how rushed this was and how hard a time he had cutting it after receiving the NC 17 sure. uh, rating, because I would agree. it did feel like it was equal parts, all of that and not leaning in. And, and I didn't really want it to lean into the gore so much. Like right. I think they handled that fine, yep. but um, maybe building a little bit more atmosphere and a little bit more dread. Um. You know, the time for me where I was more terrified was like when the lady was seeing her child and her child like legs all cut up and and stuff. And then um, I don't know, that really that really got to me because it's I don't know. That's terrifying. I think children are terrifying (laughs) in and of itself. (laughs) Stay away from them. Yes. Always. Yeah.
3: It's the number one horror movie rule. Stay away from the children.
1: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I think just as such a huge sci-fi sci-fi fan, I think overall I would have been hoping for a bit more sci-fi. I think that's where this yeah. movie becomes excellent, in my opinion, is if they really, really dig into the sci-fi more, um, dig into the hallucination scenes more, like slowly build those up instead of kind of just like getting right into them. I, I know like each person kind of got a couple of hallucinations. But they seem to escalate really quick. Like it almost seemed like the ship was on an agenda of like, I only have so much time left, so I really have to push my agenda here. But (laughs) I think they really could have played up with like, what is actually going on? Like, are people actually hallucinating? Is something weird going on? Is there some sort of poison in the atmosphere that's actually causing them to see hallucinations or something like that? Um, and you know, I would agree with Tony. I think this could all come down to the fact of how rushed this movie was. So I don't really want to judge it based on that. Just for me, things that could have made this movie better. That's kind of the direction I'd look at.
3: I I think you're hitting it there, Tim, that, uh, I never really felt like the characters were truly just trapped in that situation. They for sure were, and there was no way for them to get out of that, but I don't know. I didn't feel like it was maybe it was because the hallucinations were too fast. They were too quick. And I was just thinking these characters are kind of stupid believing this stuff. Like why well, obviously this person isn't on this ship, but it, I think maybe if it happened a little more slowly, it might've been a little bit more effective for me to then be like, okay, there's, there's no escape. The ship is definitely going to kill them unless they get off of it. And it, that was the situation in the movie, but for some reason I didn't feel it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, with playing around with like a few different genres in this movie, Jeremy, I'll ask you what genre like that was touched on. Do you think that they did the best job of kind of creating
0: a horror? Like, um, I thought that it, it definitely purposefully made choices to make it, a horror movie for instance the chamber in which the uh, gateway is in um it could have been all sci-fi looking and modern sleek silver whatever but it wasn't inside that chamber the gateway chamber was it was gothic and dark and so yeah i think that they they leaned into horror a whole bunch when they got to that, when they got to the haunted ship, imagine that. So I think that is probably the strongest genre, uh, that this movie
3: carries for sure.
1: Uh, I think that's a good call. Anybody think differently? Dean Tony? Nope.
3: No, I, I think the same. And since we're, since we're in, uh, the chamber with the core, I just love any sort of like interdimensional portal thing where it's just like the other side is hell or the other side is like not what we thought it was and something's coming through back like like we just thought like oh this would be a great idea we'll just open up this portal and we'll go through and it. it'll be no problem and then it's something evil is on the other side. I love any story like that. So as soon as that was like the concept of this movie, I was totally on board with it. I just loved, and I loved how this core looks, like that all the rings sort of have to line up before it opens up and that it was doing it before the ship was even turned on. Like all that stuff is great. It's all so good.
1: Yep, it it was done really good. That was a great opening like sequence to that core. Uh, That's whatever their jump drive is. Before we even get to that core, we're walking through that tunnel, that spinning tunnel. Yeah. Which the first time I saw it, I thought that was the core. Like, that was so cool. I thought that was the core. And it's only the walkway to the core. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, again, you get into where the actual engine is, and it's being guarded by these rotating, um, I don't know, there's there's like a circle, and then there's like things spinning around it that are keeping it closed, right? and it kind of yeah opens up all by itself in that scene where Justin he's just kind of he, it's not supposed to open up so it does open up no. and he goes to check it out and there's like a black liquid is like the gateway like he can go through this black liquid and then i mean i think it was a, pretty much a holy shit moment for everybody when he puts his hand <laughs> through to see what's Ooh, going come on
0: come on you're you're better than that you know better
3: what are you doing man yeah like you ever seen a wall of black goo? Probably not. Don't put <laughs> you your don't, hand in it. Don't there. put your hand in it.
1: If anything, I'm putting my <laughs> head through so I can see if something's coming at me and can quickly ah. pull back. But yeah, he puts his hand in and he just gets taken for a ride. And he goes like 200 oh. feet in like two seconds. That was very scary. It was well, that was well done.
3: Yeah, I, I wanted to touch back also on uh, Jeremy's point there about it looking horror in that room and not sci-fi. Because if it does look sci-fi, then you start to think that it's like the ship's intelligence maybe that's turning on them. You know, it's, it, it leans into the sci-fi more. But because it looks so gothic in there, it does make me think it's horror. You know, that that's, yeah. it's something else. It's a haunted ship. It's not that AI has decided that it should, you know, kill humans or whatever. It really does feel like horror in, once you reach that room.
2: That's a really good and that you say that, too, because it never even crossed my mind that it would have been AI or anything like that. So I think the movie did a really good job of kind of not leading us down the wrong path there at all. So that was a really good call there. So.
1: And they tell us very early on exactly what's happening, but we know so little that we don't even understand because they do a scan of the ship and Lieutenant Stark she gives her explanation of what's happening to the ship and she says she's picking up life signs all over the ship but she can't localize on anything so that doesn't mean anything to them and it doesn't mean anything to us but by the end of it you realize the ship is alive that's what she was picking up is that the ship is alive It's, it's pretty cool
3: yeah and i like the second time she's like when she actually brings it up the second time She knows what's going on, and, you know, like, Lawrence Fishburne's character, like, believes her that that's what it is. And it's the second time she brings it up, it's just when they're on the ship. Like, after a couple things have happened, and she's like, I'm pretty sure it's the ship's alive. And so I like that you didn't know, like, she didn't know when they weren't on the ship yet. It's like, yeah, that reading makes no sense. Why would it make sense that there's life all over the ship? But then as soon as they've experienced a little bit of something on the ship, she's like, oh, yeah, I get it. I know what this is. So I just like that she wasn't, you know, like, still like, I don't get it. I still don't get my readings.
1: Well, I like that he asked her for her opinion of what's happening. He he yeah. wants an explanation. I guess she's like the science officer and he says, like, y- y- I need you to tell me what you think is going on. And she, yeah, yeah, the second time she gets to the point where she's like, well, this is what I think is going on. You're not going to like it. It doesn't sound real. But from what we're experiencing, I think the ship is alive. So I really loved yeah. her performance in this movie. Um, I'd have to say along with almost everybody else, I think one of the things, maybe the main thing of why this movie was so successful was the cast and they all just bring it. Like everybody's Mm -hmm. just bringing it. They, they don't, they don't know that they're in some sort of like movie that's going to not make money. They think they're in the biggest blockbuster that's, you know, ever going to happen. And I just, I'm so appreciative of actors and actresses who just put whatever, I don't know, preconceived notions that they might have about the movie aside and just do their very best. And, I mean, I feel like that's most of them, but it just really resonated for me in this movie watching all these performances. So why don't we touch on the cast a little bit, maybe favorite characters. Jeremy, who would you have to say was your favorite character?
0: Um, Well, I really did like, uh, of course, Miller. Um, and we're the antagonist and the protagonist. Um, I think that, uh, man, having Lawrence Fishbourne look so young is just crazy. I mean, I don't know how old he is, but he, he what is he? Mid twenties or early thirties. Maybe I'm really bad at judging. Uh, I'd, age, I'd have but... to go
1: with that. I think he's, he's a guy. It's probably tough to judge his age, but I'd go with like, yeah, yeah, exactly what you said there may be like right 30 or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's already showing, like, how his, you know, he the way he can take, uh, act like a leader, like, take control of the situation, like, he plays that role very well, and, you know, he, after this, you know, he went into, was considered for The Matrix, and he's just a really outstanding actor and he gives great performances. I'm going to have to pin it definitely on uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Do you know what he was in prior to this at all? Like was was he in anything recognizable?
2: Oh, was he in he was in a Vietnam movie where yeah, he, he was, in was like in Apocalypse now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like a teenager, yeah. Yeah, he was only 14. Yeah, he wow. was he lied <laughs> to get that part was he or only didn't say his age. Yeah, he was he was stupid wow. young. Wow. Um
0: in that. It's crazy. So, yeah. What a great career he's had. He's a
3: wonderful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's fantastic. He's incredible. Yeah. Always good. Like, just absolutely always good. Yep. 100%
1: mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. Tony, what about you? What about uh, favorite favorite actor or actress in the, in the movie? Or, or character, even. Just character in the movie.
2: So, I'm going to have to go with DJ, because it's Jason Isaacs. Yes.
1: Uh, he was so good. So good, man. They did him dirty, though. <laughs>
2: I mean, that's part of the reason I like him. It's like a hellraiser throwback, the way that he's dead and it sucked. Like I hate like I hated that whole I mean, they did such a good job not showing stuff, which I really appreciate. Like implied gore. That can go a long way for me. And, you know, the him kind of being that done to him while he's alive, but us not really seeing a whole lot of it was great not seeing it. Um, But yeah, I just thought he's a great actor. And, um, you know, when that was happening, I just imagined him as his Harry Potter character um, and was like, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) You deserve it. Fantastic. Give Dobby the sock.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man.
3: (laughs) Lucius deserves it.
1: What about you, Dean?
3: Uh, I think I'll just, I got to go with Weir. like. It's a little hard to sort of track what that guy's thinking during the movie, but you just kind of know he's hes just obsessed with this thing he created. Um, He doesn't seem to care that it, you know, it was a portal to another dimension that was hell. It's almost, it's more impressive to him that that happened. Like, he's excited to find the ship and see that that's what happened like it's it's better than he could have imagined he thought he was a failure for seven years but no it's it's even better it's even it, it did more than he thought so I just love I love like movies people that are obsessed with something and like can't get over it I love those characters uh so i I just like I think I for me I would say he's I mean it's hard to say he's my favorite because he's like horrible by the end of the movie but I think I literally yeah he's literally <laughs> horrible. Um,
1: sure. So maybe maybe just, one of your favorite performances then?
3: Yeah, in, in yeah. The I'm just I'm really drawn to watching him. Like I want him in in all the scenes. Like yeah. I don't want him off the screen. So I, I think that guy is my my favorite character.
1: Um, his character is really interesting. And watching it this time, I thought about something that I don't think I've really thought about before. That doesn't really get explained, but is a bit of an interesting concept. And it's I think it's basically that. Since he created the ship, he's got some sort of relationship with the ship, and when it goes to hell, I'm going to call it hell. I like in the movie that they never actually call it hell; they call it a like the a place like beyond your worst imagination where unthinkable things happen, but they don't actually call it hell. They just call it another place. Um, but there's some sort of connection with him and him building the ship that when this ship comes back it's calling for him in a way and i think it's it's calling for him through the visions that he's having of his wife who's mm-hmm. dead right and she has uh, she committed suicide and maybe very possibly gone to this other dimension in the afterlife and possibly is trying to communicate with him or the ship is trying to communicate with him but for some reason or not the ship wants him, right? It wants to kill everyone else, but it wants him as, like, to be part of the ship. Well, and they, they throw a
2: curveball with his character, too, because through the, at least for me, when I was watching this movie, I thought, like, he was chasing after his wife who might have been on the ship. That's, like, kind of what yes. the movie was implying to me. And then come yep. to find out, like, no, she wasn't ever on the ship. She committed suicide. And this guy is just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You know, like and I I thought it was really well done with that because that that threw me off. I I thought the wife was on the ship. I thought that's why he was seeing visions and, you know, because he's trying to rescue her and, and come to find out. No, he's just really, you know, is being called to by the ship. So I thought that was really a really good swerve that they took. So
1: they caught me with that even this time, as many times as I've seen it. I haven't seen it in a while. And the movie starts out with that scene where his, it, you see his wife is dead. And I already typed in my notes, Weir wants to go find the ship because his wife was on it and died. And then <laughs> a little bit later, I had to quickly backspace my notes because that's not at all what happened. So, But they, no. they even got me with it again because that's what they're trying to go for.
0: Yeah, they do it effectively. Did anybody see the... A connection with eyes and blindness and not using your eyes. I mean, that's in there, but I don't understand like where it, what connection it makes with the rest of the the story. Like, did anybody pick up on and and like what connection seeing and being blind has to do with anything?
1: Not I was, really. I was never,
3: yeah, never able to figure it out. Like, why he says like where we're going, we don't need eyes. And it's like, well. <laughs> I, why like i guess it would help when they were playing that 15 second clip of hell it would help if i didn't have eyes because then i wouldn't have to have seen it but that's all i can think of
2: when that was said i'm sorry it made me think of back to the future like when i was totally. watching of the of
3: course movie. totally <laughs> of course eyes where we're going we don't need eyes yeah i was like that doesn't make any sense Weird.
1: we also don't need skin in case you're wondering skin, <laughs> apparently not limbs are also optional Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. So I thought maybe
0: there was a metaphor or something I was missing. I wasn't. uh, Was just kind of curious what you guys thought.
1: I mean, if I had to wager a guess, I would just say that your eyes probably are not going to help you in hell. Like you don't need eyes there. You'd probably rather not have. I think that the terror that you're going to see is so brutal that you'd probably rather not even have eyes. So maybe they gouge them out so they don't have to see it. They just have to, you know, I don't know, experience it, but. Sure, that makes sense. I, I don't know. Um, I It took me a long time to realize that his wife, Claire, who keeps popping up in these flashbacks, actually was missing her eyes. I always thought her yeah. eyes were just blood red, but I, I think they're going for that her eyes were gone as well.
3: I think they're gone, yeah. I, I couldn't yeah.
1: quite pick up on that, I guess. Um, I didn't really think the the special effects held up all that well. Um I've seen lots of other movies from that time where the effects are still really good. This one it seemed pretty dated. There were a couple scenes that looked really good, but again like if I can't even tell if someone has red eyeballs or their eyes are missing, I think that's a bit of a miss. And then there were some other things that got dated as well, but I'd say yeah, overall special effects kind of like a uh wait.
3: I would say in areas, um certain areas it stood out and in others it looked incredible. Because they built such huge sets for the movie that I think a lot of the movie, for what it is, on a big spaceship in space, I think a lot of it looked really, really good. I think when it gets to sort of the CG parts where it's like eyes are supposed to be missing and, you know, there's coffee cups floating around, (laughs) that type of thing didn't look very good. But I think everything else looked really good.
1: I'll tell you what, those floating coffee cups at the time blew my mind it was mind-bending special effects but it, right. it just doesn't hold <laughs> up anymore
2: i thought i read trivia like that first opening shot with like the watch and all that stuff was like a third of the budget of the film
1: or something like that like wow. and, yeah I, I heard that too that's true that's a, <sighs> that's a true true point and yeah. it's sad right. come on because it doesn't hold up the cg no. like
2: again if i would have saw that you know at the time My mind would have been blown watching it now, though. You know, I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's CG from
1: 97.
0: So I could do that at home. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I could do that on TikTok.
1: (laughs) All of the ship stuff I thought was great. Like the exterior of the ships, flying and moving was all really, really good. Um, The sets, the interior, the design, the aesthetic of the ship was excellent. But just mm-hmm. uh, yeah, some of those special effects, not so much.
3: And the gore, the gore is good. Like the gore it, is good too. It yeah. looks good. Um, it's not just special effect. Like it's not just like CG gore where it really doesn't. You know, it doesn't really look real. It it, it is practical stuff.
1: Yeah, that's true. All right, so I had a problem. Okay.
0: And mm-hmm. I had a problem back when I first saw it, and it reminded me when I when I saw it again, and I. Maybe I missed something, and maybe you guys can help me out with this. So in the movie, when they first get there, they're having a a problem with uh, oxygen. And they're on a timer of 20 hours. We need to get this done. We need to be out of here in 20 hours because that's all the resources we have. So when the ship goes and Weir puts the bomb on the ship and blows their ship pretty much away... In my head, I'm thinking, well, they're trapped. They have no oxygen left. They're dead. And so the rest of the movie, when they're moving through, I'm thinking, where is their motivation to do much of anything but kind of sit there and enjoy their last moments? And then later in the movie, suddenly they have this plan. Okay, we'll, we'll use this as a safety net and get out of here. But I'm thinking they don't have any air or it's, it's something like that. So I don't know. Did you guys feel that at all? Or did I miss something?
3: I would say I forgot that, and you're totally right. They are dead. And I think maybe they forgot it. Maybe the characters forgot that they are running out of air because that's the place where the air was running out. Like, that's how much time they had to fix the ship. That's how much time they had to get off of there. So, yeah, I don't know. They didn't fix anything on the event horizon that would give them more air on there.
1: So I think the thing was they were running out of air on their ship, right? Yes. Oh,
3: they're running but, out of air on their own
1: ship. But not the but, event. But, they, but but there's a scene But
0: the event horizon they had the scrubbers, remember, and they're like, Oh, this right. air is really stale because oh it's right. full of carbon it's full of uh, carbon dioxide.
1: They were collect there was a scene where they're collecting those tubes of air right near the end. Oh yeah, right. And they were taking them over to their ship, to the Lewis and Clark, and that was gonna be enough to get them home. So so they were trying to collect right. the air. So th- there is there is still scrubbers the scrubbers yeah the scrubbers as they call them there are still some problems here um, and it's that as they're collecting those scrubbers there's there's two characters there collecting them one of yeah. them has one bag of scrubbers the other one has the other bag and the lady who has one of the bags instead of running back to the ship with the bag that's where she actually gets killed. So they are without yeah. half of the air, essentially. Okay. So one of the problems is if they're grabbing these scrubbers to have enough oxygen to get back to Earth, they're now without half of it. But um, they're so losing even if people. They,
2: so they don't have as many that, people that's breathing true. it.
0: Fair.
1: That's true. Also true. If they do get these scrubbers onto wherever they need to, so it, you know they get them onto the Lewis and Clark, which gets blown up. Maybe they end up getting them onto the Event Horizon front Portion that they are able to disconnect from the main ship when they use that to get home. There's a lot of stuff there they don't show us, but even on the event horizon, they should probably not have enough air to get home. Um, so I guess my explanation would be, if they only had half the air to get home, the way the movie ends is that they don't actually get to Earth. Another ship reaches oh, them, so we and don't they're in stasis uh, anyway. Yeah, and they're in stasis. We don't yeah. actually know where they got intercepted by another ship. So it is very vague. Maybe that's some stuff that could have been elaborated on in the 35 minutes. But yeah, that was that was definitely a whole... Jeremy, I thought the same thing when they were grabbing these scrubbers and needed a certain amount of them, and then half of them just were left behind. I was like, that doesn't make any sense at all. So that's a, that's a good point.
0: Well, I'm glad it wasn't just me, because I, 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 to me, I'm starting to lose... Like, I don't understand why they're running around trying to kill Weir when, I mean, I guess you want to make your last stand, you want to, you know, hurrah, but like, at the same time, I'm like, just your last moments, just lie down, because it's over, because you're you're dead. But, so to me, that motivate they lost that motivation, and it caused some some confusion on why they're continuing, but I could see where, uh, through the rest of the movie, where it's possible
3: they had enough oxygen, and they didn't get all the way home, like you said. Yeah, yeah, who knows. And I could see these types of things being the stuff that was cut. You know, I could I could see them just oh, sure. sort of cutting something that said like that it maybe explains what they're what they're doing or how they need to survive just saying like, "Ah, oh, whatever." Like, we'll just people will get it, even though it doesn't really Yeah, it's not really addressed at all.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I think I think for a short editing period, you know, I think they did a really good job of just putting together a movie that, you know, they you know the the director didn't like he ultimately didn't like it because he didn't have enough time to do what he wanted to do but i think he he put together a really great movie um and it's you know it's beloved by fans um you know probably hated by critics but most cult, classic, <laughs> cult classics are uh, yep. There there's a interesting quote that i found here so uh, paul w s anderson he screened Event Horizon for Kurt Russell before they started working on Soldier, which was one year after this movie. And Russell said, "Forget about what this movie's doing right now. In 15 years' time, this is going to be the movie you're glad you made." which just, I mean, as if Kurt Russell needed to be solidified, you know, anymore as one of the greatest humans in existence. Uh, this just moves them up a little bit higher. A little, a little bit more. That's
3: the only review that matters. Kurt exactly. Russell's review of your movie is the yeah, only so one that true.
1: matters. Oh, no, no kidding. <laughs> Tony, um, question for you here. This movie inspired the game Dead Space. And I know you're a big gamer. Did you ever play Dead Space? Yeah,
2: I I beat it. And in fact, while I was watching this, I was like... I. I know that Dead Space was inspired by something, and I kept wondering if it was this. Um, there's a lot of differences, obviously, because you know they pulled they pulled like a lot of themes from it. But you know, you're an engineer, and you have like this little gun, and um, you can switch which way it shoots, and like whether it gives out a vertical line or a horizontal line, and you basically go around chopping off uh, alien demon-esque limbs, you know, to survive and get off this uh, space station that won't let you leave. Um, so, yeah, uh, played it uh, back when it originally came out, uh, 10-some years ago, so.
1: Yeah, me too. I was just so excited for this game uh, when it came out. I mad. I just had such a great experience with it. Um, wasn't as fond as the sequels to that one i just thought they did one so well but they're remaking and re-releasing one uh it's going to be coming out pretty soon on the next gen system so i'm kind of excited to go back and revisit that one because it was so much fun dean did you play that one too
3: no, you were pushing it on me a lot, like okay. for years, I think, okay. but I just like, I don't play a lot of video games, so I never got around to it. I think I bought it for whatever system I had at that time. I think I think I still have it. It might still be in the wrapping. Um, so maybe I'll just maybe I'll just crack it over and play. It seems like, you know, I would love it. I just don't really play a lot of games. I
2: own it like three times at least. I think I I own it originally on the 360 and then I bought it again on the PS3 And then I think I bought it again on the Xbox One because I owned it physically, so I bought it digitally. Anyways, I bought that game too many times. (laughs) And then they're gonna get another one out of me. And and just like you, I I never played the sequels. They never interest me. I thought the first game was like perfect for that experience of sci-fi horror, and uh, I didn't need it again. (laughs) Uh, But I played.
1: I start. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, I just, I saw the reviews on the second and third and it just, they didn't, they weren't as good as the first. So I was just like, yeah, I'll leave it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I played the second one and they just dug their heels way into like the zombie swarm, um, which wasn't what made the first one so good. The first one like really had this the slowness of not facing hordes of enemies it was like you were you were scared enough to fight one or two or three enemies this is like you've got 30 of them coming at you it completely changed the feel of the game and I I didn't even actually finish it I just kind of like tuned out and tossed it aside
2: yeah it sounds like it
0: became more of an action game than a horror game
1: yeah correct yeah, yeah. exactly yeah.
0: have you guys and I have not played the game if you were going to ask me Tim um I'm, I'm not <laughs> I know you're not a big first gamer, person so. shooter that's the no, only reason I did not ask. Well, I would have actually, to disagree. Yeah,
1: sorry, that's my bad. You are a big gamer, just not for that that type of style.
0: Right, but if you guys, does anybody do anything with VR?
1: I've tried it before, but I don't have a VR setup, so no. Horror
0: games in VR are amazing, Ooh, and I if imagine. you guys do. Yeah, if you guys do get a VR system, Oculus or or whatever, the PlayStation or whatever, get those titles because they're they're scary. They really are. Like stuff moves, and in uh, like uh, peripheral moves, and it's just nuts. Mm. And it scares you. I could I, I had to take stuff off. I, I I can't do this. I had to like calm down. It's that it's that immersive. Sounds
2: like I need some adult diapers.
1: <laughs> what's what's a horror recommendation on the VR you could make for for everybody?
0: Phasmophobia it is nuts. It you walk through uh and you walk through uh like uh like a haunted forest, you walk into a house and it's all about it's all about jump scares and scaring you and it has like creepy music and you just don't know when it's coming and it just scares the crap out of you. I was walking through this the forest and uh you just see something like move and you look and nothing's there. And then you, you look around the corner and it's behind you instead. Like this is just nuts. It's really scary.
3: Oh, I, I love it. I, I, I want, I, I kind of would want to do that. I've been just like obsessed with horror movies lately even though they really, really scared me when I was like, even into my 20s, I was like, I couldn't handle horror. And now I'm really into it. That seems like the next level. It's like now now I'm like, okay, I can handle horror movies. Give, what do you got for me now? Put me in one. Put me oh, in a horror movie. Yeah. Whoa.
1: It's serious. That does sound like a lot of fun. Personally, yeah. I just prefer going into, the wor- going into the woods and walking around in, in real life getting those jump scares for real.
3: <laughs> yeah, you like to find the real haunted houses and just walk through them. <laughs> yeah. You love that.
1: Is it is it uh, the Blair Witch project him? <laughs> yeah, I want the real thing. I don't want a simulation. So I'm just I'm heading out into the wilderness, finding abandoned houses and getting haunted by them.
3: Perfect.
0: Oh, that is creepy. I actually lived when I in my uh when I was younger in I lived in a house out in a rural area, and across the street was an old abandoned house, like directly across the street. And oh, we man. would go when I was 12, 13, and we would go into this house, and yeah. it was all abandoned, and it was like, uh, like the people. I mean, there was dishes out, like it was wow. like just like someone took wow. off and left. It was so scary. It's nuts. That's cool. That's Tim's dream, right? That's there. my
1: dream. That's I just move into that yeah. house. I just kind of like make <laughs> slowly make my they take everything from my bedroom and move it into that house without the parents seeing.
0: Oh man. There's a calendar there that says 1967. Like it's just so, you know what you should, you should come out here, come out here and I'll, I'll I'll take you there and we'll plan a whole day.
1: Dude, we are not too far (laughs) away from each other. That's the beauty of it. (laughs) Love it. Okay. I got one more question for everybody. I want to know if you're going to recommend this movie to someone seeing it now seeing it on the rewatch with everything we've talked about do you recommend now keep in mind like people's time nowadays is is short there's so much content out there so many things to watch with that in mind are you going to recommend this movie to someone tony
2: oh i'm going to be put on the spot first I'm going to give two answers because I feel like my first one's going to be It can't sort be of... yes
1: and no. It can't be yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it,
2: it is, but it isn't. Uh, let me pitch it to you. So, no, I'm not going to recommend this to somebody uh, right now based on my viewing of this. I think it's an interesting story. I just don't think that it is kind of dated in some ways. And I can't think of someone who's into horror who either hasn't seen this Or, um, yeah, I just, I can't recommend this, but I would recommend it to my younger self. It's not as scary as I thought it would be. And the nightmares that I would get from
1: it would be pretty cool. So. Beautiful. Great answer, dude. Great answer.
3: Yeah. Good answer. Jeremy, what about you? Yeah,
1: I would
0: recommend it to a sci-fi horror person. And when I remember talking to Tim about this movie, um, through some you know communication, and I thought it would be perfect for you guys and your show because it's retro, it's uh, sci-fi, and it's horror. I thought you guys would it would be one that you should have done, or you. I I even looked through your library to make sure you didn't do it yet. Um, so I think for somebody that likes sci-fi horror, I I think this is a really good pick for them. Um, I don't know a lot of people that like sci-fi horror, so <laughs> most people I'm not going to recommend this to.
1: Okay, that's one and one. Dean, where are you at? Yeah, I think
3: that's sort of the answer. It's, um, I mean, I watch a lot of movies and I like a lot of stuff. Like, I like more than the average person. So this is a really great watch for me. Like, I I really enjoyed it. Um but I kind of understand that it is definitely not for everybody. Uh, sci-fi horror fans, I'm, I'm definitely going to recommend it. I'm not going to say, do you want to watch the greatest sci-fi horror movie ever? But I'm just going to say you should check out Event Horizon. It's pretty cool. There's some good ideas in there. It's some good horror. Um, so I wouldn't put it at the top of anyone's to watch list. But if they're looking for something and they're looking for a recommendation in that genre, I would definitely throw it out there.
1: Cool. Uh, I am going to side with Tony here um previously i i would have said everybody needs to see to see this on this last viewing as i was watching it i kind of thought of this question like would i recommend this to somebody watching it right now someone who has lots of other things to watch i would have to say no i don't think there's enough here like it's a great retro movie but there's so many other great movies to watch in the sci-fi or horror genre. Yeah, there's not a lot in the sci-fi horror genre, but I don't necessarily think that's a great genre. Like, that, I don't know very many... Like, other than Alien, the whole Alien franchise, you know, there's not a lot of great sci-fi horror uh, combinations. And while this one tried to do it well... Um, I think I loved it for a time and a place, and rewatching it, I don't think that it kind of stands up to what my memory and my, you know, um nostalgia for it um held at the time. So uh I'm gonna say no, I'm not recommending this. If if there's like a split two and two. We're split two and two. If there is a hardcore sci-fi horror genre fan who hasn't seen this movie, this is a must-see. But like Jeremy said, I don't know a lot of those people. So we will have to leave it up to the ship to be the fifth and deciding vote.
3: Okay. Okay.
1: whenever the ship wants to drop us a line, it can, and we'll let everybody know what the ship thinks.
3: The ship is calling. The ship has been calling me all day, Tim.
1: (laughs) Dean, where did your eyeballs go? I'm going first. (laughs) (laughs) awesome well jeremy and tony thank you guys so much for joining it's always so much fun talking to you guys um i would like to give you an opportunity just to to pitch your uh your podcast here and just uh let people know where to find you guys
0: yeah uh we're remote takes we do a lot of fun uh discussions about uh new releases and old favorites Um, We've got some interesting takes. Tony and I are of different generations, so we usually have a difference of opinions. And uh, we have a good time. You should tune in and check us out. We're on pretty much wherever you can get podcasts these days.
1: All right. Well, Tony and Jeremy, thanks again. Um, Definitely have you guys back again. Dean, thank you for joining. Yeah, man. And thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time.